Thank you for joining me today. This is the Life After 30 podcast, and I am your host, Joey Hernandez. I have been a personal trainer and diet coach for over 30 years. Please join me as we discuss our health, diet, weight loss, fitness, and many other topics as we move through the decades of our lives. Hey folks, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to have a little visit with you. You know, there are certainly several reasons which might cause us to overeat, but the most common, at least in my opinion, and probably the most debilitating, is when we eat from an emotional need. We are going to explore this very strong compulsion and look at a few things that we might be able to do to possibly reduce the incidences of our overconsumption of our loving, mm, loving food. As usual, my name is Joey Hernandez and this is Emotional Eating, the 98th episode of The Life after 30 podcast. Food is amazing. Let's just face it. Let's just get it out there right up front. It's one of the true enjoyments of life. We can all very quickly name our favorite foods and a good many of us probably have an excellent recipe that we might use for our family and friends that shows off our culinary abilities of these foods. And when we think of the word diet, many of us will immediately use the more common meaning, which would be a short-term change in our eating habits in order to reduce our body fat. Now, we've talked in other podcasts about the more medical definition of diet, which is concerning our long-term dietary regimen. But going back to the more common meaning, the word diet is certainly not associated with good feelings. When we say the word diet out loud, we probably have a negative tone in our voice because we dread the restrictive changes that we know will be coming in the near future. But just knowing that a short-term diet will reduce our body fat based on our history, along with our knowledge of our past use of dieting, we also know the inevitable beast within us that craves, really craves, our regular foods so desperately that it is a constant fight to stay steady on our body fat reduction diet. And sometimes... That beast wins, maybe more often than sometimes that beast wins. We often turn our attention naturally to the components and rules of our dieting, but what we often overlook are the reasons why we've eaten in the way that we've put on the body fat in the first place. Now, it's easy to say that the reason that we've put on weight is because by eating our favorite foods in what we believe to be small excesses, it is just a fact of life that we'll slowly gain weight. But having that belief that we've put on the body fat in a slow way from our favorite foods, it kind of keeps us from any other analysis of why we might eat the way we eat. 
because looking deeper into oneself can be difficult. And for a lot of people, for many, many, many people, it can be very scary. Now, let me make it clear, folks, I'm not playing psychiatrist as we look at the true reasons why we eat the way we do. Analysis of the reasons behind our abuse of food, and that is what it is. It's abuse of food. And that's something that a professional trained in eating disorders should be consulted if you believe that that abuse is severe for you. The subjects and feelings that you would need to bring to light could never be covered in a short podcast anyway, but I think we can at least scratch the surface of some of the more common reasons why we overeat in an emotional way. Now, every one of us has overeaten at least once in our lives. And really, let's be brutally honest here. Every one of us has most probably overeaten many times in our lives. Because food is amazing, right? I already said that, but it certainly bears repeating. It is amazing. Delicious, enticing, beautiful, and an olfactory paradise. Oh yes, the smells. Mm, they bring us down every time. The sense of smell is greatly tied to our memory, and in fact, it's the most dominant sense of our five senses where memory is concerned. Have you ever been somewhere, possibly outside, and just the combination of all the things around you at that particular time, maybe a certain smell in the air, maybe the trees, just everything around you combines together in that one perfect moment, and it transports you back to a memory of a certain place and a certain time in your past. It happens to me all the time. It's amazing. It brings on a memory of being somewhere else and possibly with someone else. The sense of smell is so important in life. And where food is concerned, it's one of the joys that we look forward to as we place our favorite food in front of us. Oh yes, that fragrant ecstasy of the smell of the food just before we dive in for our dining pleasure. Woof. When we are dieting for body fat reduction, though, that sense of smell can be like a ball and chain, pretty much attached to your nose, if you will. Maybe you go out to a number of places, maybe a mall where there's a food court, or walking past an Italian restaurant, or someone in your office brings in delicious baked goods that you can't eat. Uh, then that sense of smell can be overwhelming. It is hard to resist. It can sometimes cause a compulsion that almost, almost pulls you toward that desired, yet probably diet-breaking food. Food is almost always a companion to the biggest events in our lives. Food is there when we celebrate, and food is there when we just want the world to go away. It's a crutch, although most of us would never really know that, because we don't think about it that much. We eat when we are happy, we eat when we are depressed, we eat when we are bored, we eat when we are hungry, we eat because those around us are eating, we eat because the clock tells us it's time to eat, 
We eat in anticipation that it'll be several hours before we will have the ability to eat food again. We eat for countless reasons. But I think, and this is just, again, this all is just my opinion, I think that the most dangerous reason is when we eat because we are depressed. That is when the possibility of abuse of food, which results ultimately in the abuse of our body and mind, that's when it's most likely to occur. If we are sad, if we are lonely, if we have a feeling of hopelessness, our good friend, food, still remains our trusty companion, possibly when we believe, and sometimes in the darkest of moments, we believe that we have nothing else. We've all probably felt those times, and they're very difficult times to get through. Those negative emotions deep within our heart and mind, they crave satisfaction. We need some sort of release. We need to find an outlet and expression for those emotions. Because at the time, we probably believe that they're just unbearable, that they're just unending. It completely can debilitate us. Some might drink alcohol excessively at this time. Some might turn to other drugs, both illicit and prescribed, and we're learning more and more about the abuse of prescription drugs. Some might take to their bed, pulling the covers over their heads, making the world go away. Some might seek excessive sex as that release. But many of us, and let me repeat that, many of us turn to food. If you have had incidents where you have sought food for relief from some kind of anxiety, and it doesn't ultimately matter what the cause I just really want you to know that you are not alone in that feeling, in that struggle. If you've been trying to abstain from certain favorite foods, probably because of dieting, but it doesn't necessarily always mean that, that beast within might rear its ugly head and cause you not only to consume your favorite foods, but to keep consuming those foods beyond normal eating paradigms. And by eating your favorite foods, it momentarily makes you feel better. Yet unfortunately, very shortly, you might get a depressed thought about the fact that you've been overeating. And that, in fact, as odd as it seems, that can lead to yet more overeating. Because the feeling almost results, and I've said this to myself at times, well, I screwed my diet up, or your general eating, so I might as well continue to eat this food and get a full satisfaction from it, and then tomorrow, oh yes, tomorrow, I just know that I'm going to feel better, and I'll stop and go back to a healthier way of eating. It can be a never-ending circle of abuse. And I know that sounds dramatic and severe, but if you're dealing with that, it can be life-threatening. So what do we do about it? What can we do to stop it? I'm going to quote 
some text from the website DrOz.com in an article called Tips to Stop Emotional Eating. But before we get into that, let me just reiterate to you the importance of seeking professional help if overeating is becoming a hazard to you in your life and to your health. So the article starts with the question, how can I tell if I am emotionally eating? He lists four telltale signs of comfort eating. Number one, you eat when you're not physically hungry. Number two, it is hard to find food that satisfies you. I can definitely say that's the case with me sometimes. Number three, cravings are triggered by an emotion such as anger, anxiety, boredom, etc. Number four, comfort eating has a mindless component to you. Imagine sitting in front of the TV mindlessly popping chips into your mouth. I'll tell you, I make the mistake, and it's, it's a big mistake, I think, of sitting in front of the TV eating dinner because I'm concentrating on the program and I'm just kind of shoving the food into my mouth. I'm not taking the time really to explore the food with all five senses. And I, I know that sounds kind of stupid, but why not use all five senses to enjoy something as wonderful as food? You can look at it. You can smell it. You can, well, you can't really listen to it. Well, no, that's not true. You can listen to it. If it's sizzling, if it's something sizzling that's brought to your table at a restaurant, doesn't that just kind of get the excitement going from hearing that noise as well? Sometimes touch feeling comes into play if you're picking up a big burger and it's, it's so big and it's dripping and you can feel the squishiness of it so it's nice and full. That's a great feeling. And of course, we have the taste of it. The next question that he asks is, why is food so comforting? Number one, when you're stressed out, your body is flooded with cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So folks, this is a biological change in origin. Number two, tuning out. Eating can be distracting. It can take your attention away from whatever is bothering you emotionally. Number three, your beliefs. You may also be conditioned to believe that eating can ease pain. For example, a commercial may urge you to buy a particular candy because it's going to give you bliss or happiness. And let me just say on a side note, let me remind you that in previous podcasts, we've talked about the tricky food companies and their relentless, conniving ways to try to get you to buy their products. And here is an example of how dangerous food companies can be. The article goes on to list some other reasons why food is comforting, and you can find this article at DrOz.com. But it goes on to ask another extremely important question, and maybe the most important question. How can I stop emotional eating? So here's a series of steps. Step one, be aware. Much of the emotional eating is so unconscious 
that it happens automatically. And let me state here that the article expands on this entire topic of emotional eating, and I'm going to suggest you read the full article for any additional information than what I'm presenting to you right now. Step number two, replace. If you take out stress eating, you have to put something in its place. And again, I'm just going to mention on a side note, in my knowing and watching people who have had gastric bypass and have lost a great deal of weight, almost all of them do not follow up with a nutritionist or a counselor, and it's always suggested that they do because that'll help identify the reasons that they overate and the steps they should take to maintain that weight loss and learn to eat in a nutritionally healthy manner. And no one ever seems to do that. They go through all of that work, counseling, pre-operation counseling, the severity of the operation, the recovery time, the emotions and physical changes as they lose a great amount of weight very quickly. And then almost everybody says, oh, you know what? I can eat fine on my own moving forward. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to be able to eat very much anyway. But history has shown with gastric bypass that as they continue to eat, if you go back to that emotional eating, and almost everyone, again, has some of that, that they will stretch their stomach slowly and slowly and slowly until they gain the weight back. I had told you a whole bunch of podcasts ago that I have a housemate that had gastric bypass, and he lost about 175 pounds. And as of right now, it's been about a year and a half since his gastric bypass, and he has now regained 85 of those pounds already. And he's eating poorly, so there's no reason to believe that that's going to change. Step number three of the article is to practice. There are many ways to calm yourself without calories. And the article goes on to give you a few examples of things that you can do to reduce your stress level and depression. The article ends with the sentence, With practice, you can end emotional eating. I'm going to be honest here and, again, give my opinion. I, I'm not sure that just following some of the steps that he outlines and doing practice that you can ever really stop emotional eating because emotions are just so complex. And by seeking, again, professional help is the way that you would be able to determine these emotions and how you can satisfy the cravings in another way. I do agree probably with the bulk of this article. And again, it's from DrOz.com, and it's called Tips to Stop Emotional Eating. I do overall think that the article is probably somewhat simplistic in nature, but that is good in that it's going to reach more people. It does give some examples of areas that one could begin to work on to help alleviate some of the problem, especially if it's just a small part of the issue. If emotional eating is not the larger reason why you eat food, 
but it's rather just some small habits that can be worked on and changed. But realistically, when that food beast rises up and you begin eating and eating and eating, sometimes it's going to take more than just a short article or a short podcast to help with the situation. So please, please do seek help if you think you are excessively eating on a regular basis. I'm going to tell you something personal about me, and it's a little hard to admit because I am a personal trainer, but in my knowledge of other personal trainers and their lives overall, especially as they age, this is not as uncommon as you would think. But I have at times fought binge eating. It occurs perhaps because of emotions, perhaps for other factors, but there are times when I can be in the best shape of my life and I really appreciate it and I love the way my body feels. And yet, when whatever may happen, just problems in life, I take to binge eating. And it's something that I've worked on in therapy over the years, and it's certainly gotten better, but it's always in the back of my mind that those incidents of overconsumption could come back, especially in times of deep stress and depression. Folks, unfortunately, I can't tell you for certain how to stop emotional eating. At those stressful times in my life, I could not tell myself how to stop overeating. But the primary thing I want you to take away from this podcast today is that you are not alone. It is not shameful. It is not because you are weak. Don't judge yourself so harshly. It is more common than you would believe. It's not because of a defect in your ability to live a normal life. That isn't what it's about. And there is help out there, resources available, maybe therapy, maybe joining a group in your area for overeaters, maybe seeking out an online discussion board. There are resources that you can turn to to help you deal with the feelings and emotions associated with this problem. As I said, I have dealt with this issue in therapy. I sought out resources, and because I was proactive, and I'm a big fan always of being proactive where anything medical is concerned, because I was proactive, I'm in a better place emotionally and ultimately physically today. So, before I conclude... I want to let you know that my birthday is just a few days away. I'm going to be 58. And believe it or not, I'm actually happy about that. But I would love a birthday gift from each of you. What that would be, you ask? Good question. Please subscribe to this podcast. The more subscription followers I have, the more episodes I can produce, and by subscribing, you are notified when each episode comes out. 
I'm on iTunes, and I'm very pleased to say I'm now also on Google Play Music under the podcast section for all Android users. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. I wish you all health and happiness, and please join me for the next podcast. My disclaimer follows. Please take a moment and give it a listen if you've not heard it before. And until next time, my best to all of you. See ya! Hey folks, Joey Hernandez, and this is a pre-recorded disclaimer that I'm going to insert into each episode of the podcast. So please give me just a moment of your listening time and listen to this disclaimer. I hope that the information that you receive from the podcast is unique and useful to you in your quest to live a healthier and more vibrant life. I have been a personal trainer for over 30 years. This podcast and the Human Construction Site blog that it is tied to are based on my opinions and my experience working with clients all these years. I am not, 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 not a doctor. I ask that any and all information that you receive from me, as well as anywhere else on the internet, or on TV, or on websites, books, wherever the source, that you discuss that and review it with your personal physician before implementing any kind of lifestyle changes. Your doctor knows you best. He or she knows your personal medical history, knows your medications, your family's history, and together you with your physician should have a dialogue to ensure that any changes are right for you. So please, 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 please consult your doctor. Thank you. Mm-hmm.